and welcome to what's going to be a huge episode of the Broom Boys, brought to you by Buddy and Guy. I'm Guy, and I'm Buddy. Wow, guys. We okay? So, I think we owe you guys an explanation. Yes, just there is, because there is a it's story. There's a story. Been a, we missed a week, which we haven't done that, and we were not going to do that at all. And then, because we had this, we had an awesome episode for May the 4th, didn't we? Yeah, no, we had a, we had an amazing May the 4th episode set up. You know, our typical news and rumors, plus our witty, chatty banter, uh, plus speculation for what we could see on May the 4th. And then May an the episode. 4th actually happened. Oh, yeah, sorry. And then yeah. May the 4th actually happened. And holy crap, um, every expectation we had for that day was blown out of the water just simply with the release of the final episode of the clone wars and then that yeah that everything alone else, was huge you add everything else on top of that we collectively realized the best thing for us to do would be to tank last week's episode and give you hold a super size spectacular so because we, we had to hold it all the week long because there was there kept being news that kept rolling in through the entire fucking week. Yeah, uh, literally Exciting up, until, shit. up until hours ago, the, one of the news stories that we were reporting tonight literally broke hours ago. So it's like, how do you, it, when there's news stories literally breaking every 12 or less hours, how, how do you stop... The information gathering and pick a pick a good jumping off point and i i feel like just the we felt both of us the real the the regular show time uh, a week later with a massive episode to bring you the huge conclusion of the the clone wars holy cow part three was amazing and then throw on part four and guys that's a treat in itself you i can't wait to talk about that with you but the news the news, yeah. oh my god, there was so much news in the last two weeks that it's like mind-blowing too. So you want, you, do you want to just kind of dive into it? Yeah, yeah, we'll what get do you going. Want, what are you thinking? Um, we'll get going. I'll, uh, I'm just going to, I've got a list as always, my bullet points. I'll just start at the top and we will work our way to the bottom. Woo, um, woo! So there is a rumor that Lucasfilms will be bringing back Carrie Fisher, obviously through CGI. To play Princess Leia for a project or two. Project or um, two. That could mean a whole lot of things, you know? that Because that could mean an entire Disney Plus series. It could. Or, or that could just mean like an episode here or an episode there. It could. I mean, she, she would certainly fit into the Cassian Andor series. Uh, mm-hmm. For certain. True. Um, potentially there, even dude. the Obi-Wan series. Um, I got to say though, deep down, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm not going to disagree with you, especially after rise of Skywalker. And I'm not to say that it would be anything like rise of Skywalker or the last Jedi was for Luke. Um, but I just don't feel like we need to tread on that, that, that ground. The only thing that I think I really want to see about the Skywalker or the old trilogy, really, other than the peripherals, is Darth. What we talked about with Darth Vader being badass. Yeah, well, and and that and one of the things Rise of Skywalker did really, really well, and 
hats off to JJ for this or lightsabers up, whatever you want to do. Um, he handled not having Carrie Fisher physically present very, very well. If you didn't know that Carrie Fisher had passed away before that movie was filmed, you would think that Carrie Fisher was legitimately in that film. Um, Agreed. And I think they gave her a wonderful send off. And I don't want to see a project tarnish that in any way, shape or form. Um, well, didn't her daughter do the the training scene? Yeah, her daughter was the physical presence, and then of course they CG'd it to look like um, Carrie Fisher uh, back in. They the just got to do a little bit of freaking work too. She looks a lot like her mom, not exactly, but she looks a lot like her mom. Yeah, dude. she's definitely her mother's daughter. Um, so <laughs> I, if they used her again, I wouldn't completely complain about that. It's just I don't I don't want to see a huge amount of if. I want to see a huge nod and Easter egg and, you know, get your get your socks off kind of moment. But I don't like the Han and Kylo moment where he comes back that one last time as a ghost in Rise of Skywalker, dude. That was a moment that was a huge tribute to the character and everything that was going on. If they do something equally huge or like that kind of moment with her and enshrine it. I'm not going to be like, no, I'm going to be like, okay, I, I like it. I love it. Yeah. But how would they, more of it. but there, but there's no platform for that to happen. You're not wrong. So I don't, I don't see that there is a, a story that is compelling enough to warrant CGIing Carrie Fisher into it. And it's not that I don't love Carrie Fisher, because I do, since I was a little kid. She's been my princess. Um, I mean, maybe once they present the, the idea and the story and the reason, I will be more on board. But for right now, I don't want it. And also for right now, it is, it's just a rumor. Um, but, you know, we report rumors and news here, and that was a pretty big one. So uh, I'm, I'm like, uh, my thinking is... You're absolutely right. It, I'm not ready for it. But if it's absolutely right, I mean, if it's just a, the right moment, and there's some people that actually get that, and we'll we'll get more into that because that gets into the whole discussion of some of the brand new crazy stuff with the documentary and May the 4th and all that. But some people understand what it would mean to bring her back and would do it in the right way. I mean, I hope but you so. have to understand so. what and how and what motivates. And if it's that big of a moment, then it's worthwhile. If it's just to give fanfare in an Easter egg, then at that point in time, I hope whoever they even nod to potentially play, the, you know, they just look every whoever it is, if they just the the producer looks at him and says, no, no, this isn't no. The is this is this is forcing it, and you know we never want to force it. Don't force it. Okay, well, I mean that's enough of that. I think. Um, don't force it. Don't force it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we all know there's a Cassie and Andor spinoff series coming on Disney Plus. Um, 
We've been hearing some Grand Admiral Thrawn rumors over the last little while, and it is now being rumored that Thrawn will make his live action debut in the Cassian Andor series. Um, it's as good as place as any to launch him. Let's uh, let's see what happens. Um, you know. Oh, and I got I got a huge speculation on this one too. When we get to some more than later news with some of the rumors about what might be coming down the pipe with okay. uh, Disney Plus shows. Okay, because I, mean, I think we'll, we'll this, literally this be all there. ties together. We'll literally be there in five minutes, man. So, Ooh, I mean, keep keep your powder wait. keep your powder dry till then, bud. I can't, man. It's getting so wet. Okay. Uh, well, so unbeknownst to me, uh, and I think unbeknownst to many other people, uh, back in the day when Empire Strikes Back was being filmed, uh, our, our dear friend Peter Mayhew, playing Chewbacca, got really, really sick filming the Hoth scenes and had to take some time off to recover. And so... An individual was recruited to come in and stand in for him. And that individual's name was Mark McNamara. Uh, he did stand-ins for Peter Mayhew in Empire and Return of the Jedi. Uh, he was an NBA star, um, won a championship playing for Philadelphia. Uh, he has unfortunately passed away. So a little bit of sad Rest news there. but uh, Damn. The, he is the, one of the Chewies, dude. One of the Chewies, yeah. The, the third, there were three, right? Yeah, there's been three in the suit, I believe. There actually there might even be more, but definitely the three that I know of. Um, but yeah, three he on di- screen, at least, that I know of. Yeah, he died almost a year to the day after Peter Mayhew passed away. So that's a little ah. little coincidental and, and very, very sad. Um, but, you know, Chewy. his contributions... Uh, might have been small, but I'm I know they're lasting because who doesn't fucking love Chewy? If I could do a Chewy call right now, I would do it, but I, I embarrass myself. That's like that's what I right. Got. I that's better than me. I I I got nothing. I I'm not even gonna embarrass myself because it would be so bad. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, moving right along, because, boys, we got a lot of news to get to. Oh, uh, wow. So, We're going fast. We are doing well, though. I'm impressed with us. We are we, we are doing well, tangents. but we haven't really hit the meat and potatoes of the news yet. Oh. Uh, but we're, we're about to start dipping our toes into it. All right. Uh, All right, guys. Here we go. So Sam Witwer, uh, our longtime Star Wars voice actor, uh, body actor, uh, character actor Sam Witwer was apparently offered a role in season two of The Mandalorian and passed on it. Uh, he was quoted as saying he felt like he was being thrown a bone by his friend Dave Filoni. I think this goes back to what I was talking about with the with the Leia stuff is if it's not done right and it's just kind of an Easter egg and fun or just used as a gimmick, I, I, I'd pass on it. He may have done the same thing. It might've just been a gimmicky role that was, he was, he would have been playing for just a single episode cameo and that's not how he rolls. I can respect it. 
Eh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to even pretend that I know or understand his reasoning. Um, but it was a news story, and is it's definitely got to be a good one. Definitely worth bringing up. And of course, you know, the Mandalorian isn't going anywhere. We've got a minimum of uh, four more seasons coming. I know they were talking; they wanted to do five. Maybe they'll end up doing more. Um, but that was just an interesting bit of news, and a, even a little more interesting with the whole throw throw the bone comment. I thought, but. Not really worth dwelling on at this point. Um, but since, since we're talking Sam Witwer, we know he voiced Darth Maul. And Darth Maul, of course, features heavily in these latest Clone Wars episodes. Uh, Sam is not the first person to portray Maul. We all know that that honor belongs to Ray Park, a uh, famed Hollywood stuntman who did all the physical work formal in the phantom menace he did not do the voice but he did the physical stuff he was used uh for the mocap the motion capture for ahsoka's lightsaber duel with darth maul he did darth maul's stuff and they mocapped it for the clone wars episode two. Oh my god that was so awesome to watch side by side with the actual see with the fight scene in the in the show they, uh, in fact, I think we there's a video. We'll we'll put it on the Facebook page. Um, but dude, that was that was. Uh, you, did you send it to me? That was so cool. I, I did not. I I don't think I sent it to you. But yeah, there is a there is a video. Go to YouTube. I have my wife Facebook looking for stuff. Whatever. Uh, yeah, where they did a side by side of him doing the mocap with the Ahsoka, uh, mocap person and uh, the actual animated scene on the other side, and it's really cool. And uh, he still Super has it. Cool. He still has his chops. Without a doubt, dude. Okay. The other is maybe if he was like, if, you know, boy, I can think of a lot of reasons why he might. But anyway, back, moving on, moving on. We'll find out. I'm sure there's a reason. If not, you know, we'll, we'll know something. Wait, what Anyhow. did you, did you flash back to the Sam Whitworth story? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. Cause I was thinking Ray Park, if they all, it was like, if it was a Darth Maul, like flashback scene and they were like, Hey, Whitworth, here you go. You want to play him? And he, and he was like, you know, Ray Park's already done the live action. He should reprise it and do it. It's like, and turns it down because of that. Again, another reason straight up stand up. I mean, that I just see him as a stand up guy, dude. And I so think it's like, I've, I'm I like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be such a, not even just a good reason, but like a heartfelt reason why he would like straight up. That's, but that's just me like reaching, you know, making shit up in my head. Cause I want it to be. Okay. Well, anyway. fair enough. You're allowed to feel your feelings, buddy. Um, I feel her. Um. So we all know that there was an animated show called star Wars rebels. It is rumored that there is a live action adaptation of Star Wars Rebels in development currently. What if Thrawn is actually is like not even just like a, a role, like one of the primary roles on the show? What if he is actually like Ezra? It, wouldn't it make sense if you had a Rebels show because Thrawn and Ezra got sh- thrown into space at the end of rebels or at least it, for the was sh- it was it canaan no it was it was i oh i don't remember now now you got me questioning yeah well so anyway that would be another place where it would make sense for thrawn to make his live action debut 
Well, not debut, but what if they were talking about the the Disney Plus series that Thrawn is in? Like, well, that's what not I meant. His own that's... series, but yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, because take it back to the story where he was rumored to debut in the uh, in the Cassian Andor series. Maybe the mm-hmm. live action Rebels makes more sense. It could, or it he could. debuts there. They test out his. They do a character test um, for the. Um, I like a kind of pilot kind of thing. And then if he rates well, then he's on the, or kind of, they build a show in that direction. I don't know who knows how they're doing shit anymore. Yeah. I certainly don't know how they're doing shit anymore. Um, and it also seems to vary from person to person and show to show and project to project. So, right. You know, I was watching ghost Rider, uh, spirit of vengeance. And I didn't realize that, uh, what is his name? Uh, Heimdall. Who? Uh, it, uh, Idris what Elba. Is his name? Idris Elba. Idris Elba. He he's in the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance movie, and they do the same. They have the same eyes. Somehow the characters are absolutely linked, and if you actually look into it, they are actually fully one hundred percent linked. Uh, and it is through the eyes. I don't know exactly what it means. If it's like an avatar, if it's like something else, if it's just was it Heim- was it Heimdall dimension. seeing through his eyes like he did in Thor Ragnarok? He uh, he let Thor absolutely see could his have eyes. been. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be cool. I mean, I I it was have- it, now it happened. I just but I don't know what it. I don't understand exactly the meaning of it yet because I haven't really dug. I just noticed it. My son was watching it today, and I was and I was like, "Wait a second, isn't that Idris?" And my wife's like, "Yeah." So I'm like, "He's Heimdall," and she's like, "Well, but it's two different movies." I'm like, "But they're both Marvel. It's going. It was 2012 that this was released. So at the during all of the Marvel, you know, the the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe MCU going on, and." And sure enough, yeah, it's like he was like, I can't play this character and this character and not have them somehow linked. They have to be. It was completely his idea. And yeah, I, I kind of an interesting story off topic. But dude, yeah, it was really a kind of a cool thing. I liked how they pulled it together. So we'll, well see I'll, how they, I mean. I'll have to look into that. Anyway. 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 Um. So, May the 4th. We're now getting to May the 4th stuff and things. So, Holy shit. One of, the, one of the bigger surprises on May the 4th happens to connect to my favorite Star Wars game currently. My current favorite Star Wars game. And the best Star Wars game released in the past several years for sure. Uh, Jedi Knight Fallen Order or Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, however it's said. Uh, Such they, a good fucking game. And they released an update to it. The update was free. uh, More like a free expansion than an update. Um, So what they did was they gave you the ability to do a new game plus. So the new game plus lets you keep all of your cosmetics. None of your force powers, but all your lightsaber cosmetics, your outfits, your your colors for your your droid, your colors for your ship, all that. Um, it doesn't up the difficulty, but it also unlocks the ability to access what are called force meditations. And in these meditations, 
you get like an arena mode where you face waves of enemies up to and including bosses. Um, and they each, when you complete them or complete the, the assigned tasks within them, uh, they come with more rewards. So uh, neat little update. They, you remember I've been saying for a long time, I've wanted an arena mode for that game. Mm-hmm. And they yeah, but you one. have to play the game a second time to access it. Well, okay, so you have to you have to start the new game plus to access it. I didn't I don't really care for that a whole lot, but you can access it literally the first time you find a meditation spot on Bogano. But here's the thing. You're going to get your ass kicked because it's for advanced. Like you need all of your abilities unlocked to have a chance. Of surviving. Right? So they make you play the game at least a, a certain degree before... Yeah, but, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I would have I would have preferred that my original save um, where my guy is maxed out be the one that I could just hop into that and then hop into the meditations. But, you know... Or um, even if you added, like, a separate game mode even that you could play and then you just tear it out like you start... It starts like an easy mode and you build your skills within it that's separate of the main game even. I, I don't know. Uh, not complaining completely because still cool to get that mode, but uh, I just well, feel like so access to it could have been I'm, easier. I'm working on my playthrough right now. Uh, I'm wondering if there's a if there's a hidden surprise within the game because... They did that intentionally, where you basically have to play the game almost completely all the way through again to be able to have a chance at these meditations. What if they and, added a surprise to the campaign? Well, don't it don't they isn't there a new skin, the new skin, Cal's new skin, the Inquisitor skin? Yes, there is an Inquisitor skin which also grants you a red lightsaber. So what if you get a little bit of detail into Cal's future. I mean, it's like if they go the Inquisitor role with it, that's pretty, that would be pretty crazy, but at the same time hell of a story. Yeah, I mean, it could be a little bit of a teaser, but uh, I mean, man, or what a what fun. a welcome what a welcome surprise for May the 4th to have uh, that game updated and expanded in that fashion and hopefully there's more to come. Uh, we well, do and then know... they released shit, like crazy amounts of shit along with beyond just the update and i'm not saying just the game but i mean just across the star wars freaking universe well yeah and i mean that's obviously what we're doing here uh is going through all of that um i we know that they're doing a trilogy on fallen order uh we have a release window of probably next year for the second game which i, read I mean 2021 yeah something like that it was, yeah 2021 um Depending on what kind of resources they want to devote to it, it is possible we'll get another expansion or two uh, in that time frame Uh, or not. I don't know because they didn't leak anything about this expansion coming. So who knows? There might be more on the way for Fallen Order, but uh, a great little update to the game. And I'm glad that it's there uh when i when i am able to actually get into the meditations to where i feel like i can complete them i will uh report back on it word all right can't wait 
So, since we're talking about video games, uh, there is a rumor that Bioware is developing Knights of the Old Republic 3. And if this rumor is true, holy fuck. 3 would mean would mean huge dude if it it's three that's astronomical that's giant because that means the that means one and two all of that shit happened the game the, the games become canon uh yes i believe i believe that is what would uh that would be the case is those games would be canonized um you know, and now with that rumor dropping, the remaster rumor that we were hearing about the first two actually makes a little bit more sense because the first two came out a long time ago. And so what a better way to prime people for the third than to remaster the original two and put them out for people to play through. And then, you know, six months, eight months, a year later, drop Knights of the Old Republic three. Uh, and if if you were going to make a statement about the canon and how it fits into the Star Wars universe at that point in time, that's like a really, that's a quick, easy, bold statement to say, yeah, one and two, solid. They are canon, without doubt. And, I mean, we already had that little bit of tease from the uh, Star Wars encyclopedia, or the Rise of Skywalker. The Visual Dictionary. Visual dictionary. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, you know, the other side of that coin is also if they are going to do the remasters of the first two, maybe there's some story edits that Disney requested that would allow them to be like, okay, so remaster these games, change X, Y, and Z for us mm-hmm. because we need X, Y, and Z to fit into A, B, and C later in the future. Change a couple of beats, you know, alter it this way and that way, and then go ahead and make the third. We'll canonize all of it. You know, maybe that is, maybe that's the thread that I can't wait to find out. I know, dude. I'm out of all the all the rumors that we've reported here. uh, These are the ones related to Knights of the Old Republic are the ones that I hope are true. Like those are the ones that was my first favorite star wars game i mean i had other ones that i love to play but that one specific both the that series is even through the old republic mmo all of it was just fun the story was a good story some of the best story that i i i when I think of Star Wars that I think of uh, what what a highlight and what a cool cool thing if they actually are able to canonize it because it was never really truly canonized right? no it was it was canon it was it okay. was but it when was canon yeah they just didn't decanonize it they just it was the one thing that they just left ambiguous right uh no I think it was decanonized by Disney along with everything else in the expanded universe See, I, I, yeah, I guess I just don't remember. I thought I remember reading something or hearing something about the fact that while they decanonized it, it was the one thing that they didn't, that they were mum on. They didn't, they wouldn't answer the question 
it just kind of floated in space whether or not it was and i i just feel like this is this is finally the reason why is because they were always planning they just didn't know how they were going to have to tweak it to make it fit but it's such a good story you have to i just yeah yeah i mean i think they are going to have to tweak a few things here and there um but yeah i just hope it's true i just hope it's true but you know with the current trend in video games uh remasters are a huge chunk of the industry um you look at like final fantasy 7 remaster just came out uh, they just released Modern Warfare 2's campaign as a remaster. They've remastered the Bioshock series. They've remastered Resident Evil. Um, but this Everything. would be this would be one of the older games that they've gone back to. Um, but I think that's where the trend is heading. I think you have to. You can bring up current classics, and that's fine, and that's great, but most people, okay, not most, but some people still have a way to play those original games. Like, everybody probably still has their PS3 or Xbox 360 laying around. You know, it might be in a box in a closet, but they have the ability to hook it up if they wanted to and grab those old uh Oh, old, dude, I know guys discs. with... Nintendos and Sega Genesis is I I yeah like and I know them I know people that have well sure I'm one of them the original I'm one of three them. games there you go and so yeah no every there is there are a ton of people out there like that I have the old emulator systems so it you can't beat the nostalgia of some of the old games and the difficulty. The newer games are really hack and slash. If you die, there's not a lot of consequence to having to redo it. The old games, you die three times and you're a level away from the last boss. Go back to the very beginning and start a, start again. That's Mario Super. Or what was it? That was Super Mario Brothers. And Dude, Mega Man was, and, and Mega Man Castlevania yeah, and, and I mean, Metroid. Metroid, yeah. Um, Crazy. I mean, yeah, but hey, since I brought it up um, with the Final Fantasy VII remaster, yeah, I was cruising through the Xbox Marketplace last night just because I noticed mm-hmm. they had a bunch of sales and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I'll see what's on sale. Who knows? And one of the sales that they had was like, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like basically check out this sale is exclusively games that were developed in Japan. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll poke my head in there. Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII was in there and on sale. Now, what? it's the original. They ported the original PlayStation game to the Xbox One and probably the PlayStation 4 and all that other stuff. But they, oh, they ported the original game over so I bought it oh, because I fucking love yeah. that game. And I'm going to start diving into a playthrough here soon. Oh, dude, that original game was it was it was a fucking badass game. I remember what there were some ridiculous amount of discs that you got with like it. Like three huge. or four. Yeah, three or four. Yeah. It was massive. Oh, back in the day is the CD-ROM and everything. Oh, God, man, that was... <laughs> 
That was an intense playthrough. I remember what was it? What was her name? A, a, uh, the the chick. Aerith or Eris? Eris. Eris. I think it's Eris. Or a anyway, Eris. I will call her Eris. Sephiroth. I think gangster. that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that, and you can't. The, it, it, there was always a speculation that you could bring her back, and you you can't. She's dead. But that was one of those things. Everybody always maintained hope for there was a way you could bring her back in the game and have her back in your party because and and it was it was such a pivotal moment in video games because no that was such a main character dying and being taken away like that, dude. It and was very like, early that in was the game crazy. Too. Very early in the game. Yeah. And she was such a ma- yeah that was it was just crazy it was so, it, it, I don't know that has stuck with me that moment specifically has stuck with me, and have scarred me for video game life. Yeah, it's um, like I, mean, that I can't game, get away from her dying. Man. That game is the definition of a classic, uh, in oh God, every sense of the word. Um, but anyways, we're here to talk about Star Wars, not Final Fantasy, but I felt it was worth bringing up since we were talking remasters and all that other shit. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, so, hey, you kind of sort of roundabout way brought up Thor a few minutes ago or the Thor movies via Heimdall, via Ghost Rider. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Thor, the latest Thor movie, actually, and the one coming up, uh, I think, next year. We're directed by this guy named Taika Waititi. Uh, in the Star Wars world, he uh, directed the final episode of season one of The Mandalorian. He voiced IG-11 on The Mandalorian. And now his directorial talents are being tapped to produce. He's going to co-write and direct a Star Wars feature film. I'm so excited. I know. And I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control of life. I think I like it. Oh my god, dude. That's I'm his style it fits so well for the Mandalorian. It cause he he doesn't overplay or take the seriousness out of the the combat and what's going on, the events, but he's able to take the moments and draw them, draw these just wonderful almost I, you know, some of them are comedic, but it's like I would human moments out of all of these superheroes and bigger than life characters. He's almost able to take them and and give them this side that that humanizes them when and, and without minimizing the weight of what's going on. I I don't know. It was it's like I I like his style. Yeah, I think he's a great fit I'm for a fan Star Wars. He's. Uh... He's an incredible director and an incredible uh, creator, uh, and I'm I'm excited to see what story he will be telling with his own movie. Uh, hopefully, we will get details in the in the not so distant future. Dude, I can't wait! I'm excited for that one. Definitely right. excited. So, uh, there's this actress. Her name's Brie Larson. You might have seen her in a couple of uh, a couple of films here and there. Uh, she is apparently 
being eyed to play Mara Jade in a live action uh, show. Wasn't she, wasn't she rumored to have turned down Ahsoka? That was going to be the next thing I said. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I apologize. It's okay. You're excited. It's fine. But yeah, I'm very so, excited. This all of this stuff goes through my brain all so fast. It's like and- yes. So uh, she apparently turned down Ahsoka, but is now being eyed to play Mara Jade. Uh, you know, we we did a, a casting speculation back on our Mara episode. Uh, I can't recall if her name came up or not. I I would not have. You know, I want to say that it did because you mentioned it. Um, you had heard the rumor already at that point in time and said, well, it was her and then somebody else that they were looking at for potentially the role of Mara. But I, at least that was that's my recollection. Maybe we were talking Ahsoka at that time. But and we were talking I mean, that, that episode was a, w- a while ago. Brie. But um, uh, but. I just remember us. I thought I remember us talking about it. I thought you mentioned it, and I thought we both agreed at that point in time. uh, Not who we would first pick. But, you know, I'm not going to knock the actress. She's, I've liked her in Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, no. Captain Captain Marvel was great, and she was, she was good in the Avengers, and, uh, you know, King Kong, uh, the room. Ah. She's she's been in a lot of really good movies, um, and she's so, always done a wonderful job. I mean, and you dye her hair red or give her a red wig or whatever, and you know, let her play Mara Jade. She's certainly very very capable of doing it. Um, definitely, uh, we'll see. Action actress or actor, whatever you want to call them. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Um. I mean, but that's just more credence to that Mara Jade will finally be coming uh, back to Star Wars. Uh, we've had hints at it, and so I, I can't wait till we get the official news that, that confirms it. Um, but I think it that also ties into m- more news that you have later on. This all, like, is this huge web to me. Yeah, yeah. I and you you keep teasing the audience about uh about where we're going to where we're going to land because I think when we land there and it's not going to be too much longer till we do land there um it I will think, make sense. I, well, uh, but I think we're going to have a lot to say about it. Uh Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, out of all of the news stories that dropped in the wake of May the 4th, uh this one is probably the biggest. Boba Fett will be in the Mandalorian season two and Tamura Morrison, who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, will be playing him. Holy yes. the fuck. That's huge. That's big. Boba back, dude, which is not huge a huge surprise. I mean, if Boba can't escape a Sarlacc pit, then... You really don't have a lot of faith in the Mandalorians. I don't know. He just he should be a bad badass. I know he's not actually considered a Mandalorian, but the Mandalorians well, kind of all born, right? Um, well, and but they're all born. The Mandalorian 
if you really look at it, wasn't born until Boba Fett was created because they needed a way to explain a lot of things. And then then after his creation, that was when all the stories, everything like that started to plug in all the details behind him. And then when you describe the armor, well, what is his armor? Well, it was gotten this and then that's where his armor came from. And I just feel like without Boba Fett, there would have been no need to explain the armor or who or what he was or where he came from. And at that point in time, the Mandalorians just would have, wouldn't have existed. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, I mean, but George Lucas probably, I would like to think that George Lucas already had something about the Mandalorians planned out. And then, you know, once Boba Fett, somehow became as popular as he did because i mean he literally has almost no screen time in all the movies um that you know once he became super popular and everybody liked him and he was super badass and all that um that they decided to expand on it because people wanted to know uh i i think you're right i think he had a backstory written out but to a degree, like Boba Fett was a Mandalorian, an ancient race of uh, mercenary-like warriors, um, blah, blah, and that was it. I, I don't think it was a whole lot. And then after his creation and he fit and served his purpose in the movie, I think after that, then the lore was definitely needed to be expanded on or during his creation even to explain him but without him it just i don't think there would have there there would have been no need uh yeah i don't know it's hard to say what direction it would have taken without him but uh you know we don't have to speculate because we got him and we've gotten wonderful stories out of the mandalorians as a result um and now we're gonna so get did more you stories hear about rex Speaking of, of of Bobas and clones and things like that, and where we're, we're going to be going, did you know Rex was in Empire Strikes Back? I knew he was in Return of the Jedi. No, excuse me, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, talked, we, talked, we talked. We talked about this in an earlier episode. Oh, that's right. Yes, but I I obviously forgot again, and I saw it again just because I was looking at the Rex things, and it just made me smile again because I was like, ah, another because it was after we were talking about Boba. And so to see how many times this whole, the, these clones and stuff like that are popping up, it just, it makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. But anyway, that's, that's a huge bit of news. Uh, I'm wondering how involved he's going to be in the, uh, in the show. If it's just going to be a one-off or if he'll be a, a continuing presence, uh, and I think it's great that they're getting Tamura to play him because that's the, uh, you know, that's original the guy. Actor. That's the guy. You know, well, not the original actor. Not the original actor of Boba, but Django, and that was the original, the original the clone, donor yeah. of the clone material. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he's the and he's the he source. Boba made special for him to raise as his son. Without yeah. Without the other, without the the pitfalls of the other clones, he was an actual one hundred percent clone or something like that with no unaltered. He wasn't altered. Unaltered. Yeah. That was so. It. I guess that means he also didn't get a chip. 
So that's that's good news. Yeah. For a lot of people. Yeah. Good news for everybody. Good news for everybody. Uh, win-win. Yeah. No, it's a win-win, 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 win-win-win. Uh, so, also on May the 4th, we saw the release of the 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 Mandalorian documentary. I think they called it the Disney Gallery or the Star Wars Gallery, the Mandalorian, maybe the Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian. Anyway, I think the Disney Gallery. I think yeah. that's it. Uh and we got the second episode on Friday of the same week. Um I've watched them both. It's wonderful. Me too. It is yeah. it is very very well made. The first one kind of profiles the uh profiles all the directors of the uh, of the series and spends a lot of time interviewing and talking to them so we got uh you know we got to spend some time with Taika and Bryce Dallas Howard and uh Dave Filoni and of course Favreau um and I can't remember the other guy Fumiyama maybe his name is escaping me at the moment so yeah, so we had the uh, all the directors, and it was a neat, just a neat show. Um, I really enjoyed watching it. The second episode uh, was similar in the fact that there was a roundtable, but it, it featured more than just the directors. We got uh, we got a couple of more behind the scenes guys and some industrial light and magic guys and Kathy Kennedy. Um, you definitely experienced a dynamic. Yeah, the uh Yeah, the Kathy Kennedy stuff made me uncomfortable for lack of a better term. Uh Yeah, the fact that she It was really awkward. Wouldn't really awkward. listen to the direction that she was given. It was obvious there was one guy that was in charge of that was basically the host and that Favreau. was Favreau. Favs, yeah. And everybody should be following the script and she was felt just adamant to not follow it at all. Yeah, both times she's only featured speaking twice and both times that she spoke she had to interrupt whoever was speaking prior to 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 get her stuff out. Um Yeah, it was really weird. Um and really yeah. kind of a, I mean, when as good as those two episodes were, definitely, it was definitely out of place. Like you felt tension. You felt like, like was there was so conflict. happy to get back to the director's round table. Oh yeah. The end second half of the show. Yeah. And be done with that first group. Well, I feel like, I feel like they had a lot more from that first group but couldn't use it or didn't want to use it like they used the best of what they had and then got back to the directors um right and so i mean check it out check out the the show i think they're i think they're doing eight episodes and it'll be a weekly release for the next few uh few weeks um you know see if you agree with our viewpoint about Kathy Kennedy, but I think, I think one thing that is telling about what we saw on that documentary is how it translates into another 
news story. What's going to be our final news story is... And pretty much a big bombshell, dude. And a massive news story is there is supposedly a, quote, civil war at Lucasfilms over the direction of Star Wars, with one faction being with Kathleen Kennedy and the other faction being with John Favreau. I have been saying there seems to be a fight going on between two groups, like a power struggle. And this this is the fruition of it. This is what you get at the at at the end of it. It's it, it, I mean, yeah. There there is. I mean, we've been seeing it. It's obvious, but this is confirmation of it to me. Uh, yeah, the, the story was fairly detailed, which to me suggests that it's more than a rumor. Um, yeah. It talks about how it seems like almost everything Kathy Kennedy has been directly in charge of bringing to life has been problematic and troubled and never ends up um, being what they started out intending it to be. Uh, financially, the returns haven't been there under her, under her flag and under her guidance. Um, but you know, meanwhile, Favreau comes along, and gets handed the Mandalorian, and knocks it out of the fucking park. And well, and bringing C- Filoni in and was bringing genius. Filoni in was was a massively good call for Favreau because Filoni, I mean, and you'll see this if you watch that that documentary Filoni is a walking encyclopedia of star Wars knowledge and a living embodiment of love for the star Wars franchise. I mean, he's a cool guy. I, I, after seeing the documentary, I actually, I, uh, my respect for him because I had a, a good deal of it because of what we were given with the clone wars and even all the way through to the end, with his name attached to it, I just he delivered that way, and so to see his name now, and I I understand being attached to the Mandalorian, it's like just hats off to the guy because he his love translates into not ju- not even just something I want to watch, but a story I want to hear. Because it, there's a detail and attention to detail that is important, and and he really delivers that way. Favreau delivers that way. I and I I yeah I love it. I can't I, mean, I can't he, rave he enough. Did, he did what a five minute lecture almost about how important the Phantom Menace truly is because yeah. of. The, the final battle between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Maul. And how he said it. He said there's a reason. There is a reason that the music for that fight was called Duel of the Fates. And why that, that is called Duel of the Fates is because they're literally fighting for the soul of Anakin Skywalker. Which you don't see that on the screen when you're sitting there watching it. You don't get that indication. But knowing what happens in the future... And looking back through this filter that Filoni presented it in, totally makes sense. That oh if, my god, dude, yeah, that hit deep. Yeah, that if Qui Gon had survived, 
Anakin's path would have been much different because Qui-Gon would have been the father that Anakin always needed. And instead, he got Obi-Wan, who turned out to be like a brother. But Anakin needed a father. And his father turned out to be Palpatine. And and yeah, that explanation, dude, that was like... That makes so much sense and it makes even more sense with the duel of the fates that specifically i mean it the it changes just how you how how you look at the scene and it changes in my mind how you view the movie because you start to see how qui-gon is un i mean he he the a father figure and that's that was Maul's job. That was his entire job. Why he was sent was not for Anakin. It was to kill Qui-Gon. To take away the father. Yeah. Um, yeah, just unbelievable. Just cast a completely new light on that particular prequel movie. I would really Which also... Like, I would... Hold on. I would really like to hear oh, his thoughts on Attack of the Clones. To see if there's any new light that he could, or if there's any way he could make me look at Attack of the Clones differently. It would be a curious, but it definitely, even if you consider it with the Clone Wars, with what you saw and what he said there, as Maul's role. Because he knew Maul's role when he was writing when they wrote the clone wars and he did that at the end with what we're about to get into so all of maul's behavior was based upon the fact that he also realized maul realized he realized from the beginning his place was never to do anything other than to destroy qui-gon he put those pieces together yes he was just a tool for a purpose uh, him yeah. and Dooku both. Him and Dooku both. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we have these wow. factions apparently at Lucasfilms, um, I, with the Favreau Filoni camp and the Kennedy camp, and apparently the situation is being observed very closely by the higher ups at Disney, all the way to the CEO, um. Because Kathy Kennedy is under a lot of scrutiny, and it's deserved, in my opinion. Um, Starting with Indy and this crystal skull, in my mind. Yeah, and I mean, and all the way up through the through the new trilogy. Um, right. You know, she... Not saying that she isn't uh, good at her job or hasn't been good at her job in the past, but lately she just hasn't been getting it right. Um, whereas other Hasn't creators, delivered. other creators are delivering above and beyond. Uh, so, I mean, I'm curious as always to see where all of this pans out, because it seems like with Favreau and Filoni's side, we have a, uh, we have a, a pair of individual creators who are, um, you know, bringing in other amazing creators like Taika, like Bryce Dallas Howard to be like, hey, you know, let's make this vision. We're fans. We're clearly Star Wars fans. We we have a good idea of what Star Wars fans want to see. 
let's give it to them. And, you know, I'm not going to handcuff you or put a, put a, a leash on you and tell you how to do it. But I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there observing. But I I think they all have a similar view and, and it's, I'm so happy that you actually mentioned her name because. Oh, the quote, the quote from Oh my God. Yeah. Um, hang on. I have it right here. It's not, not the most perfect freaking that. Yeah, should I, be the the how they view any anybody who wants to think about Star Wars, anybody who wants to think about anything, yeah, especially I, sequel or you know or in a shared universe writing. There is a specific way to understand it, I think, and I yeah, her quote was perfect. I uh, I so I I heard that and I paused and rewound, watched it again, paused it, rewound it whipped out my phone and got on the notepad and typed it out as she said it. And so Bryce Dallas Howard during one of her interviews in the first one, um, you know, talking in relation to the episodes that she directed, uh, basically said, well, not basically, this is what she said about what she felt her job as a director was. And that this is not about my relationship with star Wars. It's about everyone's relationship with star Wars. That woman gets it. Right. And not, not just because it, it wasn't even just, it's not about my thoughts or my opinions or my story or my relationship meaning. And you throw that word in there and that means so much more than say, take your pick the story this is everybody's story this is you know everybody's universe or whatever she could have said the fact that she used that means that she's using a whole lot more dynamic value system and intense value system than when she's putting this direction in she wants to make you feel something and that's what Star Wars should make you feel something. It should m- it inspire you. It's it's that that always root for the underdog, the good guys, the 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 Luke Skywalker's and Han Solo's, the redeeming quality of the smuggler and the the Wookie and the the ragtag band of rebels and hope hope. I think they even said that in the documentary. That uh, every probably, episode, probably. every installment should leave you with hope. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the um, I, I like everything you just said, you know, where the where the word relationship, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody or you have a relationship with somebody, you know, like whether it's your your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your mom, your grandma, your your aunt, whatever you know, relationship implies that it's a two way street and that there's love and care. So everybody's relationship with star Wars. And I mean, if we want to look at it in the sense of a relationship, my oldest relationship is definitely star Wars. Um, I love star Wars. Um, I haven't always felt that love in return depending on whose hands it's in. (laughs) True to that. But and I think that's exactly the point is that when it comes to Star Wars, 
And when it comes to probably other properties, like, say, probably Indiana Jones, James Bond, you name any other long-lasting franchise, there are things that the people who are fans of those franchises expect. And they don't want your personal agenda inserted into it. They don't want your experiments inserted into it. They want what they've always had. They want that relationship to stay the same and grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Not have these rocky ups and downs where people are considering a divorce. Okay, and now... And here's another thing to add to that is because there is one person who you can actually look to and, and for any time if you want ever guidance to it. And they, he, Filoni mentions this in the in the documentary. It's it's Lucas. He he was the guy that created the entire thing in his imagination and mind. And that's the one guy when you have a question who to turn to now. That being said, the reason why I, I think that holds so much weight is understanding now Qui-Gon's role <clears throat> and what he was meant to be, you know, even to Anakin. And not just Anakin, but also uh, he, he played that role to uh, Jar Jar. Like, everybody hated Jar Jar. Even outside the movie, inside the movie, except Qui-Gon kept pushing for him because, again, that father figure. And when you start looking at that and you understand what he was portraying in the relationships individuals had silently on screen, not loudly, but silently, it adds so much more information and... Um, depth to the films uh, it, it really changes how you you look and view even down to Qui-Gon the character oh yeah what Filoni said about Qui-Gon uh, um, I mean it I've always loved the Qui-Gon character but I didn't I, I never looked at him the way Filoni looked at him and now I don't think I can look at him in any other way other than the way Filoni looks at him where he was a Jedi who thought and acted differently than every other Jedi of his time. And the way he was thinking and acting, he was still compassionate. He still cared. He still tried to help. Yeah, he was stern. He was serious. But he didn't. He was a father. He was a father, but he didn't consider anybody or anything to be below him and took an interest in anything that crossed his path or anyone that crossed his path. Um, very and just, I mean, like, wow. Well, I mean, right? just, wow. and how much I always thought about Obi Wan, about how Obi Wan, I always held Obi Wan in such high esteem. But it's also a way that you all of a sudden understand and see Obi Wan's ultimate failings to Anakin is that he wasn't able to be that father to Anakin. He was able to be the brother. But he was never able to be the father Anakin needed. And even if he had tried, it, it, but it's like, did did Obi-Wan try? And, and he, he, you could argue maybe later on, 
after it was too late. But even then, wasn't because he I, the Clone Wars portrays it more, and we'll get to that more in that. Well, wait, no, the second episode was when you had Obi Wan and Anakin's last conversation just before Obi Wan goes off after Grievous, right? No, the second one we had a conversation between Obi Wan and Ahsoka. In the first one, uh, is where we they they parted. Okay. They went off to Coruscant, and yeah, I don't think we see we don't see Anakin. Oh again. no, I'm thinking no, I'm thinking that I watched. Sorry, I'm I am so intermingling the movies just because I watched the Revenge of the Sith. Um, no, there's a scene just before. Obi Wan leaves for for to go after Grievous. Yeah, where they're um, they're walking down that corridor, or, yeah. or like to the loading area, and the ships are down below, and the clone troopers are loading up. Yeah, and he finally has this almost father like conversation. Anakin, I'm proud of you, kind of thing, and all these these. Yeah, you're you're a, this kind a of much moment. wiser Jedi than I'll ever be, or whatever. Um, yeah. And it, he almost has a father conversation with him there, but I feel like it, it's it, it, too late, you know? And even then, even in their fight, when Anakin or when Obi-Wan beats Anakin, it's almost like, again, a sibling's duel or a, oh, a yeah. squabble. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you definitely, it's the big brother versus the little brother where the little brother is just this this whirlwind and tornado of fury and anger and the big brother is like the... Like the calming, like I could take you out at any time, but you're my little brother and I don't want to hurt you unless I absolutely have to. Um, don't mean, make e- me do it. E- yeah, exactly. Even to the point where I have the high ground, you underestimate my power. Don't try it. I mean, he literally warned him. He said, if you, if you try this high ground shit, you're going to regret it. And, you know, he, he forced Obi-Wan's hand. Uh, right and again a sibling squabble and that you see that and that's ultimately in the end is that that is where anakin was lost was the fact that he didn't have that father that moment that qui-gon was killed in the end of the first movie and yeah, that like I said, it changed entirely the the next trilogy. I got it now. That makes me want to actually look into the Clone Wars more and see what did I miss about specific relationships people had that they never talked about. Uh, yeah. What I'm motivations just... were there in driving them? And it's like what you said. Can he change my mind on the, <laughs> on the Clone Wars? I just I I want to hear him do. I mean, even a podcast series would be awesome, where he's like breaking down each of the prequel movies bit by bit, and like look at it like this, look at it like this, look at it like this. Because I I think it was from Kevin Smith. I heard that he had a conversation with Filoni, and he was talking about, it and he said Filoni loves all the prequel movies from start to finish. And he and Kevin said that Filoni almost converted him. Almost, not quite, but almost converted him. 
I'll have to I'll have to see if I can find where Kevin was talking about it and then see if maybe it was actually an interview that he had with Filoni on another source. I'll have to dig into this. But yeah, he God, said God, I'd uh, love to hear that. Yeah, he said Filoni. I mean, or it might be on it might be on Smodcast. It might be one of Kevin's Smodcast. He might have gotten Filoni on there. I I will look. No, I no, I want to hear what I, I want to hear what you're talking. I want to hear a like uh play by play or a director's cut over the top of the Clone Wars with just Filoni or Filoni and Luke. It's just going over. You know, well, this is what, and this is this is, you know, those details that that in depth, not the 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 details that are are missed that that change an entire movie. Ah, uh, that I, I'm I'm still flabbergasted on that one. But anyway, so that civil war that's brewing back at at um Lucas Studios. I really hope that in the end it's it's a Favreau Floney kind of reign. I I'm not saying Kennedy has had I mean she's had a great run and I've just seen too many misses. I'm terrified about Indy 5 and the passing of the torch was already dropped once. I don't even blame Shia. What's his name? LaBeouf? LaBeef? LaBeouf? I don't know. Anyway, much. Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf, I believe, is how it's pronounced. Anyway, I don't blame him for it. I really feel writing and direction at that point in time. I, I don't like the story. I never got into the story. Aliens verse the all the movies before it, you had Raiders of the Lost Ark with this whole, you know, gospel and, and theology and magic and divinity, and all that kind of don't stuff. Don't forget Nazis. And Nazis. Nazis. Number two, no Nazis, but you did have or Nazis at the start. Anyway, no, no, no Nazis, no Nazis, no Nazis. But you you had the whole mysticism and the heart being ripped out of the chest while still beating because the guy was chanting his whatever it was, his mantra. Uh, um, And then the third one, again, back to the Nazis and uh uh theology and and the holy grail you get this mysticism magic again and now we're gonna go to aliens yeah yeah they could have gone atlantis they could have gone something about the pyramids they could have gone so many different places why yeah, dude, I why? Don't, I don't know. I like to. No, why not El Dorado? And I mean, the Crystal Skulls meaning being some. I mean, why aliens? Well, I mean, the Crystal Skulls are a re, they're real objects. I mean, there's two of them at the Smithsonian, and then there's others in other museums and some in private collections. Um, Absolutely, and they're really and, but, cool. But but the legends behind them say that they. Like I think it's the Anastasi say that the skulls were given to them by the star children. 
Um, I heard Dan Aykroyd talking about this because Dan Aykroyd, if you ever want to know about UFOs and ghosts and paranormal stuff, Dan Aykroyd oh, he's the man. is the man. And he is so fucking knowledgeable about that shit. I heard he was talking to Joe Rogan about it and uh, he was telling the story. Um, but yeah, so they were real objects. I mean, I get where they could work. And if you wanted to play off that, the the old Anastasi legends or whatever, sure. The movie could have worked. It just didn't. But, okay, the Crystal Skulls, we have, uh, they've, they've been found. They are artifacts that we have. Um, Ark of the Covenant, we don't have that. Well, Send them after the fucking Ark. That you uh, know the of. Noah's Ark. Okay, well, okay, you're right. But so Ark of the Covenant, still, that we know of. We don't have um, Holy Grail again that we know of. We don't have Crystal Skulls. We do have. They're two in the Smithsonian. So it's not like this is an artifact that is a fable or a legend. Have him find fucking Excalibur. Have him find the the Jewel of the Nile. Have him find. Have him find a hundred different legendary objects that you know the crown of arthur even if you want i mean do do something that you is in the same line as the magic stones out of number two that don't really truly exist but you know mythology says that this is here even if that was made up in somebody's head it's better than taking something that does exist and trying to spin a story about it and let you have a really good story behind it. And I don't feel like they came in with mutt swinging on lines or vines through the jungle like a monkey, that that was a winner. Well, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I blame her. Well, that's I mean, what I'm going to do. Of, I'm going to blame her do. and say, get her out of the seat. I think a lot of people do, and I definitely i would I would think that at this point her her career is on the line. Um, now, whether they give her the option to exit gracefully or whether she's removed is a totally different story. Um, well, it's like I you will said, hold, on, though, hold on though, hold on though, hold on real quick, real quick, real quick. Now, mm -hmm. in that in that documentary. She was when she the I think it was the first time she talked where she interrupted to start talking, but she did start talking about George Lucas and she had just nothing but glowing, wonderful things to say about Lucas and how knowledgeable and thoughtful and how the wheels are always turning and how he always is like building towards something. I think there's still mm -hmm. a place for her at Lucasfilms and I think there could still be a place for her to contribute. I think they just put her one step beyond her capabilities. You get what I'm saying? Like she needs to, to take a step or two back, which would get her out of the chair. And right. But yeah. that puts that, that's the question of if you can, it, 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 she it put her into a, a consultation kind of position where she, she basically gets to give her, her knowledge and her history and her information, but other people control the project. And at that point in time, if you have access to George Lucas, then she's kind of a moot point. Fair enough. 
yeah, I don't know. We'll see where this we'll see where this lands and where this pans out because um you know the stakes are pretty high when you're talking about they, they really Lucasfilms. Are. Those that's really high stakes cuz you're talking obviously Star Wars and Indiana Jones and um what other Lucasfilm properties are out there. Um I think those are the big ones to pay attention to. Well, of course, yeah, those are mind. those are the two big guns, but uh there certainly are other things. But mm-hmm. uh I don't know. We'll keep uh we'll keep seeing how this all develops in the future. Um I although... did like the documentary story about uh when they were talking about Lucas when he finally decided to do more Star Wars. Yeah. At the Christmas yeah. party. Everybody every someone would ask him, Are you are you gonna do more Star Wars? Eh I don't know. And then one year, what, what what was it that he said? I can't. Yeah, I think I, I think I, we might do that. Yeah, I can't remember, like but yeah, he every year he at the Christmas party or whatever, he would do a Q and A for the staff, and Star Wars would always come up, and he was always dismissive until he wasn't. Um, yeah, just those were some. I mean. The documentary is very well done, and there is some wonderful stuff in in both of the episodes that have been released so far. Um, so yeah, watch it and uh, enjoy it, and it's uh, it's it's a good thing to look forward to over the next coming weeks because you know we have a, uh, you know, the Clone Wars is done now, so it's a good way to get a little bit of your Star Wars fix while we're waiting for Mando season two. Uh, to which is to show up what that's October October right? I think although it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to get it out sooner I hope they do but if it's not October till October then we have five months now good news eight episodes that's two months worth of documentary yeah well and then of course well okay um, month and a half you know I mean we've got uh what are they called? The Fury Files, I think. They're doing um, like a stop motion animation comic storyboard things where Samuel L. Jackson is narrating as Nick Fury. They're doing that. Um, that comes out here soon. Uh, now, have you heard about the Ghost? Well, not really Ghost Rider, but uh, Hellstorm Disney Plus show? No, no. Yeah. I, I got to look into it and find out if it's actually happening or what the timeline, but there was a Hellstorm Ghost Rider kind of show that was in the works for Disney+. Plus. So that's another thing I think they you, may also be looking to fill in the time with is some you mean non-Star when you, Wars. You're, when you mean, you mean Damien Hellstrom? Is that who you're talking about with Hellstorm? Yep. Son of Satan? Uh, yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep, 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 yep. I'm all for it. Anyway, right. and it it leaves you wondering who, what Ghost Rider iteration <laughs> we're gonna get. Danny Kench, Johnny, what was it, Johnny Bravo or Blaze? Johnny, Bravo, Johnny Blaze. Blaze. <laughs> Sorry. Uh Anyway, but back to Star Wars. Um, That's. Uh... But I was just saying that that I think there also might be plans to fill in some of the time with non with you know the gaps with marvel properties and other things like that probably releases with the novels timed 
New Republic stuff. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. Um, and, of course, you can always go back and rewatch The Clone Wars. The whole series is there now from start to finish. Uh, all the movies, including Rise of Skywalker. I don't think Solo is there yet, but everything else is. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely worth worth watching your favorites over again. Um, check out, I mean, highlights. If uh, there's, I've seen multiple lists of highlights. Um, everybody has an opinion or love what moment is the best of Anakin or Ahsoka and everything. You know, check them out. If you have one in particular you feel like we should bring up, I'm all for it. I'm game to talk about it. Just leave us a message. Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that would be... The Broom Boys. That would be something um, we could definitely throw together for an episode, do a top 10 Clone Wars episode list and count Mm down. That would be something that would be fun to do. Um so we'll have we'll have some fun stuff coming up also to entertain you about Star Wars and cuz there's also a whole lot of characters and character bios we can get back into n- not having a a specific weekly routine to follow. It'll be fun. Yeah. We get to wing it. Yeah, we can we can get get back into I mean kind of what we always intended the show to be a little bit um where we were just talking Star Wars lore and legends and characters and stories. Um, now we, we can do a Darth Maul one and feel pretty comfortable about most of the details in it. Yeah, yeah, we certainly could um, because we definitely know quite a bit about him at this point. Um, but, of course, the rumored Darth Maul series is potentially going to be pre-Phantom Menace. Oh, so, so there might be a lot of backstory, basically, coming. kind of thing, or his training, or the missions that Sidious yeah. was having him do before Sidious put his plans into motion. See, I is it weird that I almost want that that mall time between the end of the Clone Wars and beginning of Rebels. No, I don't think that's weird at all. I think that's perfectly logical. Um, and it's certainly a, a logical place for them to do another show. Um, I mean, I get his backstory is really important, but I almost feel like if you have a show, you can always flashback and do those things about pivotal moments while progressing the overall narrative. I don't know. That's I'm, what am I talking? Anyway, whatever we get it, depending on who's at the helm, I'm sure it will be cool. Uh, More than likely, more than likely. Uh, But anyways, we have not just one, but two episodes, the final two episodes of the Clone Wars to give our thoughts and feelings and discussion about. So, oh. Guy, why don't you start us off on uh, Clone Wars Siege of Mandalore Episode 3, also known as Episode 11 of Clone Wars Season 7. Why don't you start us off there? All right. So, let's see. Um... Well, oh my goodness. Uh, one thing that I'm trying to remember right now, what was the name of the episode? I almost want to say it was... 
I, I'm not remembering it off the top of my head, and I don't want to get it wrong. You don't want um, to? Okay, well, hang on one second. I will have I, that answer for you in a second, but why don't you start telling us your thoughts while I'm, while I'm grabbing that? This episode was amazing. Um, from the very beginning of it, it was... I don't know. I, I just, I like, I, I you felt it. And I think one of my favorite things that I noticed multiple times was the music. How they progressed the story in the music. That in itself was... It's just stuck in in my brain. Um, but let's see. The episode is called Shattered, by the way. That's what I thought. Okay, I, I thought so, but I didn't want to be like, yeah, Shattered is the name of the episode that I really am not remembering what the name of it is. Um, so, okay. And let's see. Where We just basically get it taken from Ahsoka collecting Maul, right? And he's... They got him locked up in this relic of what I'm, I assume is the Mandalorian Wars. It seemed that way. They didn't give a whole lot of detail, but it certainly seemed like uh, a cage specifically designed to imprison a Force user. Absolutely. And that was kind of... It was, and you could see Maul also in it. He was struggling and also resigned to the fact that he was completely unable to do anything. Yeah, he seemed completely Um, helpless, completely subjugated. Right? And and with no hope of of escape. So he just had to wait and be patient. Um, And she, you notice Ahsoka mentioning that I thought all these were destroyed and. Bo-Katan's like, this is the last one, you know, it's symbolic, it's going to you guys, uh, and she makes comments, they make, ex- this. that was when, what, the comments happen about how the, Man- how the Mandalorians have a chance now, and her sister, uh, Sabine, believed that and saw that, and she never saw what, or understood her idealism, and... It, you almost get this kind of feeling like you don't know where the Mandalorians are going to go from here. Do yeah. You, do you know yeah, what I mean? They, uh, their future is definitely somewhat murky. Um, I'm wondering if this is the start of what leads it to be more like what we see in the Mandalorian series, because that's, I mean, 30 years in the future. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Um, 20 years in the future, I don't know. We have 18, but I, it, this is it. Uh, anyway, I'd ha- I would. I don't even know my timeline right now. I'd have say to stop 20, and think about say it. Say 27 years in the future, I think you'll be close. Right, right. And so even, even with that, you can start to see if their society broke down and they you would almost get these sects. Um, ones that sided with the Empire ones that didn't and they become and all of a sudden mandalore because we're right at that point where it becomes the you you do have that split and so you're gonna see one faction become imperial and one faction go into hiding and i think that's what we're what happens 
to drive what the Mandalorians have become and we see in the actual in the live action show. You know what I mean? Well, that and the uh, what do they call it? The Night of a Thousand Tears hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, okay. So that I think is the Empire subjugating the Mandalorians. They probably resisted the Empire for a time. Um, but you have their entire civilization in disarray due to Maul's actions. Was Maul just a continued tool of the Emperor? Uh, potentially. I mean, the well, possibility unbeknownst to him, there. unbeknownst to him. I mean, the potential completely is completely influenced, there. Uh, right? Because and he realizes it at the end. Oh, wow! I mean, well, he said he's always been nothing but a tool. He thought he was a, a partner or an equal in the dark side, and it turns out he was just a tool for a purpose. Um, you know, the possibility is definitely there that you know the Mandalorians, had they had not been weakened internally by Maul's machinations could have proved to be difficult for the empire. But, you know, the internal chaos and the civil war among them left them weak and left them right for the picking of, uh, you know, which I guess is the maybe to be seen in the future night of a thousand tears. Wow. Like that just, that's deep. I love how multi-layered this stuff is starting to get. Uh, how we're seeing all these stories get interconnected. Uh, that's really a lot of fun. Even if we've had some horrible misses um, in the trilogy movies. Uh, or the second, the last trilogy? Prequel trilogy. trilogy? Sequel trilogy. Prequel, sequel, sequel trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. There we go. Um, well, I mean, I, and it also just suggests and maybe even goes to illustrate how much of a puppet master Sidious really, truly was. Right. It's true. It's true. He had all these th different things orchestrated. I can't say that the fact that he went to a clone's body after the events of return i i can't say that that was necessarily bad on them i as just how it was done i think it was bad if he if his essence had basically hopped around like we almost saw with uh what we kind of felt like with battlefront remember how we saw him on the droid right it's like if he was able to hop his essence through space and eventually find something, you know, he inhabits this, inhabits that, possesses this, possesses that. I crawled my way back to blah, blah, blah. And I was able to rebuild with cloning material, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that would have made the story so much more pal palatable for me. I, I would have been like, okay, I, I can I can take that. Uh, yeah, but it in, does instead the whole like, well, I just went to a clone body and I've just been chilling and plotting for 30 years. Right? Like, like if he had been like a week after Return of the Jedi, been like, you thought you killed me, bitches, but you didn't. And then the Empire rallies around him again. I mean, you know, it could have been a much different galaxy. Yeah, they, they, they 
yeah, I don't know. And then for him to be like, no, I've been Snoke the whole time. I'm every voice you've ever heard inside your head to Kylo. I mean, um, yeah, just just something they could have handled differently. But that's a discussion for another podcast and another time. Uh, we're right. talking, let's, let's get back into the clone wars. Cause we could spend another hour and a half just talking about that stuff. And we will at some point guys, don't worry about that. So, but <laughs> yeah, the clone wars is so will. much <laughs> again <laughs> and again, but this time you're right. Clone wars. Okay. So, so we get them on the ship setting a course for Coruscant and you see Maul getting put into the 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 brig, and then Ahsoka's on the the sh- bridge of the ship, and you, that's when the music really starts to pick up, right? There's a conversation that happens between her and the council at that point, right? Yes, we see that she's reporting into the Jedi Council, and we see Mace Windu, uh, Yoda, of course, Kia Di Mundi, Ayla Sakura, and I think that's everybody? I'm trying, did I mention everybody? I think so. I, I think that's everybody, I, yeah. I think that's everybody. So she's basically giving the report of how she captured Maul, and then, you know, she starts inquiring as to Anakin and what he's up to and how things are going with Obi-Wan. And Mace Windu kind of looks at her like, um, you're just you said you're just a citizen. Um, these are Jedi orders or Jedi affairs or Jedi matters. And we can't discuss them with a citizen, which, you know, on I feel like he was kind of prodding her to come back to the order. Well, like, kind I mean, of like tough I was, love. I was about to say at face value, it's just like, oh, Mace is kind of being a jerk. But yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. He's like he's like, if you want to be you can't be out and then in when it's convenient for you. You either need to be in or you need to be out, but you can't just come and go as you please, um, which I think is valid to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, she's like, well, I'm, you know, she made her choice, obviously. And so she ends her side of the conversation with the Jedi Council. But then we see the Council continue their conversation. And it is a recreation of a scene from Revenge of the Sith, word for word. Word for word. It's so... That's like the first moment dude that moment is like you just kind of go oh shit and i texted you like not this moment this isn't the moment i texted you this is the first moment that i was like oh shit we're right are you fucking okay you know it's coming but you knew it was kind of coming anyway you just didn't know how soon and when like is it going to be the end of the episode where are we at and this was the first i mean it was clear where we're at uh that was it's like you said word for word and i just like have having just watched the actual movie it was it was cool yeah so now now the big thing because of that scene people are saying is oh ahsoka was in revenge of the sith we just barely missed her 
you know, they, they cut her or whatever. She's a cut scene. She's on the cutting room floor, but uh, that's, that's a new thing people are saying. And I guess to an extent it's now true. Um, but yeah, right. I feel like Lucas created her after the clone wars, but in a way to describe, because he was the one, he was the ultimate driving force behind Anakin having her as a Padawan. And, he was the guy that created that, as far as I understand. Um, it was his. He, he, so, he, I don't know. I I feel like the whole of it, the whole of the story, it was pothole. <laughs> like. Whoa! Yeah, so you blew a tire there. I it's just wow. It's a great way for them to connect the two things. You know, the, it really is the the Clone Wars movie that where Ahsoka oh, was I remember introduced. What I was saying the Clone Wars movie came out like five or six years after Revenge of the Sith. Um, and that's where Ahsoka was introduced. For the first time, so and yeah, I'm pretty sure Lucas created her and was the driving force behind that. Um, but I feel like she came at that point in time, and so originally, I don't think she was on the cutting room floor. I think she. Oh was, no, she wasn't. That's just I don't the, want to say an the, afterthought, but she was a good joke. story that came from it all. Yeah, no, it's just you the know? it's just the joke. You know, it's the internet oh, being okay. the internet. Is them saying, "Oh, Ahsoka was in Revenge of the Sith the whole time. We just barely missed her her scene or whatever." It's it's the internet being the internet. Um, Got it. Yeah, I see. I get it now. I get it. I was not in on the. I'm like, oh boy, I didn't take it as a joke. I'm obviously sensitive. Yeah, well. <clears throat> I'm trying. I'm finding new respect for the original. Or the the prequel trilogy, and now I'm gonna have to give it another watch again, even though I've I've knocked it. The first two I've knocked the first two films. I've only ever said nice things about Revenge of the Sith. Um. So, but at the same time, I'm feeling like I'm gonna watch them again, and with I feel like I've never given them enough chance with armed with the new information that we were given from Filoni and those kind of sources, I just feel like I'm going to have a different appreciation for them. Is that weird? No, it's not weird. I think, I think those movies are due for, um, for another view. And I think that with the insights given to us by creators like Filoni, uh, that maybe we can slap a different filter on and find new things to appreciate in all of the prequel movies. Um, I like how you said that. I'm I'm gonna just say that that's exactly what I meant. Yes. Okay. Like that eloquently too. Oh, I don't know if I was eloquent, but um, I was impressed, my friend. That was like perfect. Okay. All fancy talk. So uh, she ends her conversation with the council. And I, I'm a little, I'm glazing on what happened next because. Um, she ends her conversation. Well, she she has that conversation with Mace and then Mace goes away and it's just her and Yoda. 
And they have that little bit of a moment where she asks about Anakin and he's ultimately tells her that Anakin's conflicted, but she doesn't tell the council what she, what Maul told her about Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She holds that back. And Rex, Rex asks her about that. Yeah. That's uh, that. Why wouldn't she bring that up? Why would uh, I don't think she wants up? it to be true? Uh, yeah, but I think she knows that it's true. I think she knew it was true deep down. In fact, I think if if Maul had said to her that he wanted to kill the Emperor and not Anakin, then she would have gone with him in a heartbeat. Or if she, that he wanted to kill Palpatine and not Anakin. Um, because at that point, Anakin was still kind of a pawn. Um, not an active participant. So Now, I don't mean this in, a, in, like, in, a, in any kind of romantic way, but do you think that her love for Anakin was something? I mean, I don't mean love like, again, romantic, but like for... A master to a uh, or student to a master, a teacher, uh, a mentor, a father figure. Uh, I mean, big brother, big brother. Uh, they've had. I think they've had a lot of different relationships. It's like friends, uh, coworker. Like I mean, I don't know. There's a whole lot of ways you, you could ultimately describe it, but they definitely have a deep connection by the end. Do you think that's what ultimately causes her not to say anything because she just is like she can't let go of her relationship with Anakin to see the truth? And that's part of, I mean, she doesn't figure out until that he's Vader until much like during Rebels. Yeah, um, it's it's one of those things. Where, I mean, you're literally witnessing a moment to where if it had gone differently, the Star Wars universe would have been much different. Because... Qui-Gon living. Well, in the, it's, it's very much on par with Qui-Gon living. If Ahsoka had told the council, hey, look, this is what Maul said, and he says Anakin is the key. To the to the to this Darth Sidious's plans, he's the key. He's everything. He has kind of been the focus. This has been what it has been about. You guys need to do something or get you know whatever. But if they had been armed with that knowledge, it, things could have gone much differently. More would have definitely lived and not been surprised by the clones turning on him during Order sixty six because that was inevitable. So you could have, I mean, but armed with the knowledge, they could have retreated. They could have escaped. They could have gone into hiding. They could have been like, uh, they could have done a whole lot more charged with it. More may have lived. Well, armed with information. Here's, here's something I'm curious about. If, okay. So say that they were armed with the information. And say that because they were armed with the information, they had, instead of leaving Anakin by himself while they went off to confront Palpatine, they had left him with a couple other Jedi, or they had said, hey, 
why don't you go and help Obi-Wan out on Utapau? And then gone to deal with Palpatine with Anakin off planet. Order 66 would have never been given. Unless he, I mean, depending on how much he needed, if he had, I mean, emergently, I'm, I'm my, with Palpatine being a, such a pu- puppet master, I don't know. I feel like he, he, there would have been some like big red button, a contingency that he could have pushed, like a, like yeah, a, like a kill switch or whatever. Yeah, just like a final shot to say you might have got me, but ha ha ha. I mean, it's possible. It's 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 one of those it's one of those things that's going to be left in the ether of the unknown as to, you know, how things could have been different had people done just one or two things differently. Um, I don't I don't think I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because right. like, cause when, when, we, when we see him do Order 66 in the movie, like he contacts Commander Cody directly and says, execute Order 66. And then we see a bunch of scenes of him giving that order to clones and them acknowledging the order. It's not like... Is it the words execute order 66? Is that the trigger or is there some electronic signal that goes out along with it? Because like you look, I was wondering that because in the, in the show, two things tell me that it's actually a force directive. Could be, it could be. Um, Well, I mean, look at, um, look at revenge of the Sith where you see the, um, on Kashyyyk, Though he he literally, you know, you see the two clone troopers holding up the uh, the little disc with the Emperor's hologram, and he's like, "Execute Order sixty six and like, "It'll be done, my lord," and then they shut it off, and then they go to kill Yoda, and Yoda lops their heads off. But then you see that the rest of the clone army turned on the Wookies and were were subjugating the Wookies, and then you know went off on their search for Yoda. So, I mean, did they, did they, those are the only two clones that we know of on that planet getting that order. So, I mean, is Palpatine literally calling every single clone across the galaxy? No, there has to be some sort of way that the word is passed. Mad broadcast or something. Yeah. Mass broadcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sure that it there is. I just don't know if it's more kill, you know, how he does it, but. I feel like it's a force trigger because, and what we're going about to get into, because, and I'll explain why here in a second. Let's show back to the show because this is one of the, my favorite scenes because we get the 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 this clone, we get all uh, the or the Jedi Council. It, there's a conversation. Then she goes to the bridge. She's standing there. Rex asks asks her if she wants to go see the was it the hangers or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, something along those lines. And she's like, no, I'll just, I'm going to wait here. And the music really ramps up at this point in time. And it's like chills because it's, it's ominous yet and sad. And it's, it's so perfect for the mood. It sets the mood amazing. Um, amazingly, it, it's just great. So, 
then you see Rex getting the well, you see Cody getting the communication actually in the show too. Uh, and then you see it all go out. Rex is getting it and he fights it at first. And then can't fight it anymore. And you see Rex and everybody turn on Ahsoka. Well, hold on. You skipped something. Oh, the most important thing. Ahsoka is standing there at the, whatever the front of the bridge. And she starts getting through the force. We are hearing Samuel L. Jackson and Hayden Christensen and Ian McDermott having their pivotal scene where Anakin falls in Revenge of the Sith. And it is she hears the dialogue from Revenge of the Sith. The dialogue. Uh, They pulled it right out of the movie, dude. And put it right into the cartoon. Oh, my God. It was was awesome. And that was just uh, Order 66, though. That was the wow moment that I was texting you like, oh, my fucking God, dude. I'm not, no spoilers, but oh, fuck. Yeah. Because it was like right there in the first 15 minutes. And then, yeah, so we get Order 66 and Rex tried really hard to resist it but then he passed the word and they surround and attack ahsoka who and but he he falls back and when he comes up he tells ahsoka a a very important line and that's what is it find fives Uh, find find fives and at that point in time that's when he he loses his ability to fight it and completely flips and opens fire on Ahsoka. She jumps up on that table. And dude, this is this is one of the coolest freaking scenes. The just how they do her blocking and the getting how she gets out of the moment, the situation. Uh, uh, I, I mean, yeah, no, she um she wielding two lightsabers is able to to completely hold off the blaster attacks of the clones. I mean, and we see a we saw Kiadi Mundi in Revenge of the Sith. You know, he he deflected the first few shots and even took out a couple clones with deflected shots before he was finally hit. And then they finished him off. She she stood her ground until I think she felt like she was starting to potentially get overwhelmed. And then she made her escape. She uh, what? She cut a hole in the ceiling, right? With the blaster, deflected blaster shots up to the ceiling to punch a hole through. Yeah, and pretty jumped slick. up through that. Pretty slick. And then, uh, you know, Rex obviously says, "Okay, go send a bunch of people to the hangar. Everybody else, fan out and look for her." And then he sends a couple people destroy all the escape pods. Destroy all the escape pods, and then he sends a couple of people to go and kill Maul. A couple people, a couple of clones to go and kill Maul. Couple, yeah. And then that's where we jump to, right? It jumps right to the to the brig and these clones, mm-hmm. uh, two clones approaching the uh, the whatever the Mandalorian box that Maul is in. And they open it up and take aim. But then Ahsoka springs in and uh, force shoves them away and then releases Maul. And it's like, you were right. Um, and he's like, well, are we going to get out of here together? And she goes, no, no, but I need you to go out and be you. Um, you caught, you're an cause agent. Of, you're an agent of chaos. I need you to cause chaos. 
And then he's like, he looks at her lightsaber and he's like, will you at least give me a fighting chance? Cause, and she's like, nah, you don't need him. <laughs> and he doesn't. Cause no, he don't. We oh pick up God. with Maul Holy and shit. he's ripping armor played off the walls and using one as a shield and throwing another one at clones and force choking and I mean cutting off heads when of he clones throws, and throws yeah the sheet metal when he throws that panel and it cuts off their heads then cuts that dude in two. Yeah, dude. I mean heads <laughs> literally heads were rolling. It was pretty crazy. Uh, or when he grabs the arm, grabs the arm and pulls it through the opening and it severs the arm and he takes the communicator. Yeah. Yeah, just freaking nuts. Uh, oh my god, they don't hold back. It's like uh, that. That you remember that scene with the with Trace Rafa and Ahsoka with the elevator. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And we kept waiting for the other half of the half of the body to drop, and it never did. This is like the show; it would have dropped. Oh yeah, totally. It totally would have dropped. Oh. It would have been it, oh wow! It, it would have made a neat little squishy noise when it hit too. But <laughs> so so Maul's causing chaos. Um, meanwhile, Ahsoka finds herself in a droid bay, and all the droids recognize her, and they're all happy to see her. They all come rushing over, and she uh, she asks R seven to access some information, and she says, "Use Anakin's uh, authorization code." And then we see uh, a hologram of of Rex, and he's talking about the inhibitor chips. And I guess this is where Ahsoka hatches her plan um, to at least, at the very least, try to save Rex. Uh, And so she gets the droids to come and help her. And we see her in the corridor. She apparently somehow figures out where Rex is at. And with the help of the droids, they're like shutting blast doors and they isolate Rex. And then one of the droids knocks him out, stuns him, electrocutes him, whatever. And then and then Rex gets lifted onto like, what, two or three of the droids? And then they three. like... Three. I think it's three droids. And then they like train him into the uh, into a med bay. Uh, and then they, they play a little cat and mouse first because they get chased by the, the clones cutting through the blast doors. Remember? I thought that came later. No, I does. I don't. It doesn't matter. I thought it. Comes it doesn't at this matter. Point. Anyway, it doesn't anyway, matter. Anyway, yeah, not... right. They get to the med bay. Right. And you they have get to the, the med bay. And you have what? It's at that point in time she tells the the one droid, the minute it oh they get it open, you need to shut it. And then they start looking for the chip. And trying to find the chip in Rex, and the scans aren't working in or at all. And finally, Ahsoka gets it to trigger, and so the scans notice it by using the Force. And she actually says a specific line. Uh, what from Rogue One? Yeah, yeah, um, the same line from Rogue One. I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. She's chanting that over and over and over again. And Rogue One is where we heard that the first time from. Um, from Donnie Yen's character, the blind um, former guardian of the wills on Jeddah. Uh, so is an interesting choice for her to use that line. Right. Um, so where did she learn it? I wonder. I don't know. 
I don't in the know. moment, did it just come to her? Possibly. I mean, it could have just been like a little Rogue One Easter egg that they decided to throw in. Or there could be some purpose for it that'll be revere, revealed farther down the line. But an interesting choice to go with those particular words in this particular situation. Without a doubt. Um, Absolutely. But they find the chip and then, um, I guess, orders the oh. droid to extract it. This is what brings me to my point also between because remember at when Order 66 is executed, Maul senses it. Oh, yes. Maul did sense it. Now, look at what made the chip react so the scan could pick it up. Was Ahsoka using the force on it? Uh, you, are, you are very correct. You are very correct. So, I think... It has to do definitely with that it's it's a force directive. It's a force sensitive chip that that and that's how he controls it. That's the trigger. I mean, it's all it's I mean, you are I think you're correct in in some way or the other. But I mean, think about his power if he's able to reach across the galaxy i mean that's exactly what i was about to say how much how much power would he have to have used to through the force send out a command to millions of clones simultaneously right but then why the hologram why was he why was he vocally communicating with some of them was he vocally communicating with the important ones like the ones who were with the with member like important Jedi, was that right? Maybe? I mean, they, at a certain level of grunt would only take. I mean, they only take direction and from their commanding officers. So the only one you would need to actually ultimately influence if the chip was effective would be the commanders, because the commanders or captains who give the orders at that point in time down the chain. So the top ones are the only ones you really have to worry about at that point in time if they're that disciplined. Or is it every one that matters? Because if it isn't, then you're talking, I mean, just a handful versus millions. Well, I think every I think every single clone would have to receive whatever whatever makes that switch flip in that chip that says go from your friends to the Jedi to kill the Jedi. I mean, there has to be... Especially but if the well, but especially if the chip, I mean, but if the chip was set to if the chip was set to trigger and change simply by command and order from their superior superior officer, meaning there had to only be a select group that ha- that would need to be manipulatable by say uh, Sidious, and so the minute he flipped that switch in those say five they're going to go and give their order to those below them which is going to flip the switch in them which will flip the switch in the next set down and then until it just kind of is more like a domino effect where it spills down well sure no i mean that's that was but that would say it's not force sensitive and it's more order well yeah i mean because i i think it's I mean, it's a little weird. It's just a little bit of both because we we never we never see any of the of the clone commanders pass the order along to anybody. Um, Rex passes it along. Rex does. Okay, so Rex does, but only to the ones on the bridge. 
we never yeah, we never uh, see a like a, he yes. doesn't get on the ship intercom and be like execute order 66 um you know we never see when cody gets it cody's just like okay and then he's telling a gun a cannon to aim at obi-wan um because obi-wan's on his little lizard thing climbing up the cliff face um right you know like so, the, the ones that got like the the two that got it on kashik to go after yoda they got it now why how did how did how did sidious know to contact those two clone troopers specifically how did he know that they were with yoda i mean there's this there's 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 more to order 66 than i think we know or understand agreed uh, there's too many holes with any kind of logical make sense story and i th- i feel like that's one thing that lucas and filoni do have in mind uh, with any of these stories is there's always an answer that it has been thought out it is there is meat to the question that you're asking it just is one of those that it may not be explained or described on screen or I, anywhere possibly it just might and they, be it might trade yeah they might just let it go and that's fine i mean not every question needs to be answered especially when you're you're talking about the the minutia of how potential space magic works, you know, or space technology works. I mean, we don't, how long has Phantom Menace been out? And we just found out about Qui-Gon and duel of the fate and all those kind of things. It was never explained. It was never, it was just portrayed in his actions towards Anakin. Well, sure. But also I don't know. I never got the impression from Filoni that that was the explanation he got canically from George Lucas. I felt like that was Filoni's filter on the movie that Filoni came to that conclusion himself. Um, so whether or not, oh, see, I got the feeling that it was a, it was Lucas ultimately Filoni came there on his own, but Lucas was like, yeah, you get it. Oh, maybe I'll have to watch it again and see if maybe I, maybe I misinterpreted it. Maybe I'm wrong. No, Me too. We, I, either I of us have. could be wrong. Either of us could be wrong. Right. Uh, anyways, bum, bum, bum. but anyways, so they go to yanking the, the, the chip out of Rex's head. Meanwhile, the clones are literally kicking in the door. They're getting ready to breach and come in. And if they get into that room, they're all dead. Um, and then she finally finds it. And then the door comes open. And so you don't really know a whole lot what's going on, except you see Ahsoka just like freaking deflecting crazy amounts of blaster fire. She takes a couple clones out um, and she's begging. Um, is it R7? It's R7. Yeah. Yeah. She's pleading with R7 like urgently, like get that door closed. Come on. This is getting too much. And you see her lose a get a, have one of her sabers blasted out of her hand and she's defending with one. And that's when what that's when you see Rex pop up over her shoulder, both blasters. And the next thing it's like, you don't know if he's aiming at her and if they've gotten the chip out or if he's just popped up from being unconscious and he's going to take aim at her at this point in time. They've done enough with making you kind of uneven on your, you know, like not knowing what's coming that 
you don't know if Rex is going to shoot at her or if Rex, is, they got the chip. And the next scene, like right after it pops up, is him blasting away all these different, uh, all the these clones. And then R7 gets the doors shut and she's like, did it work? And he's like, yeah, kid. Um, and yeah, you get this whole, he, he explains the whole order 66 and she asks, well, how many of the clones? And he's like, all of them. And she learns at that point in time, every clone in the entire army just turned against the Jedi in the way that she was just attacked. And you can see that she's already anticipating heavy casualties yeah widespread jedi deaths mass jedi casualties and it's at that point in time you see the the they're cutting the blaster doors down and that's where that episode leaves us right yeah yeah that's where we end is on a very very bleak uh outlook but uh, it was damn yeah, great episode. Maybe the best one of the four. I kind of, I kind of feel like it. It for all of those nostalgia reasons, I think it packs the heaviest punch. It definitely but, is a weighty episode. There's a, I mean. I mean, Order sixty six, man. The that the death, the literal death of the Jedi Order. Um, yeah, it's hard. Right. It's For- hard to. Uh, I mean, and just emotionally, like you know, it's coming, and for it to hit you as hard as it does, even when you're bracing, you've been bracing this whole season for Order sixty six. You know it's coming, and it still hits and- you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, they de- the way they did the storytelling, the music, everything, it was it delivered the moment so perfectly. Um they you, you I didn't could they deliver the same kind of emotional kind of roller coaster that you get the first time and they went above and beyond. This was like it was it was so heavy. Um it, but while it was a huge amount of heavy that way and and explaining you get the you get the explanation of what happens to Rex how he manages to survive and not be you know the not be influenced by order 66 you you see how that story concludes and how that works out uh, so you get that little bit of lore you get Ahsoka and Anakin, how their story played out. You understand why Anakin doesn't really think about Ahsoka during the whole during his fall. He had so much going on, and he had already been apart from her for long enough that she wasn't the first thing he thought about. She wasn't his Padawan anymore, even. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he probably assumed that she would be killed along with everybody else. Um, you know, and he and, even found her lightsabers. I don't know. Did that? Do you feel like that? Well, anyway, we'll get there. Yeah, we got to get to the end of the episode to, to, before we talk about that. But 
but yeah, I mean, the, you know, Sidious sent him off to Mustafar. He was given a mission. And so he, you know, he, he went and said bye to Padme and then he hopped on the, hopped in his ship and, and flew to Mustafar. Um, mm-hmm. So he had, a, and then, and then he'd barely gotten done with Mustafar before Obi-Wan showed up with Padme. And then he was, you know, in the fight of his life. So, yeah, I mean, he definitely didn't have time to consider anything other than what he was currently doing. Um, but anyway, so the fourth episode, Victory and Death, the series finale of The Clone Wars, uh, picks up. Now, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I do want to say one thing about it is. The episode three, while it was probably one of my favorite of the the end four four episode arc, um, I don't think that without it, episode four is a is intense. It is amazing. And I, it delivers just as well as the other. It doesn't have the nostalgia value because you, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about delivering the end of the story and they do it perfectly. I, I, while three might be my favorite episode, I wouldn't want four any other way. It was perfect. They, it's such a complimentary episode to number three and such a wonderful conclusion to everything that yeah I, I i can't knock it and i just feel like that was the climax episode not anything else this is the conclusion episode if you had it all together in one sitting without the the kind of intermingle like the episode kind of or even if it was just like a constant cut you know i'm i'm uh, certain we will get a cut of it in that form with no and interruptions you, uh, and no nothing, just a constant in movie form, movie form, long form. Right. Movie, yeah. and, and I feel like all you're going to feel is part three is the climax and then part four is a conclusion. It, it's doesn't it, neither one is specifically takes away from the other. It, one sets up the other one to for where we're at with the and it wraps up i think the whole series so beautifully but we'll let's get into it because it's yeah it 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 was intense dude yeah yeah well and folks we warned you this was going to be a long one we're just over two hours right now so episode four picks up where three leaves off essentially with them in the medical bay and uh them what a cool scene yeah yeah, very, very cool scene. Because they need to f- get the hell off the ship. They need to escape. And I think Rex informs her that he, he sent a bunch of people to the hangar. Um, and also to destroy the, all the escape all pods. All the escape pods, yeah. But, uh, you know, they uh, they think they have a plan. You know, there's, there's only one thing we can try. And they still have the droids helping them. Um so they 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 set off to the hangar bay, but Ahsoka says something very very important to Rex. Set your blasters to stun. She, throughout this entire episode, goes out of her way to not 
kill any clones and has yeah, Rex follow that her lead. Is huge. Because loyalty was everything to the clones, and she, even with them trying to kill her, she still values every single one of their lives. And that, to me, I think is the most def- defining thing now about Ahsoka, is how how deep her loyalty to those she cares about really, really runs. I think that's her new defining trait. I I agree with that completely. Yeah, because you you see, she's unwilling even at any point to sacrifice any of their lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just and and you know she's doing what she can to incapacitate and Rex. She's basically setting Rex up to be able to stun all of them. Um. You know, she's basically being the shield and he's being the knockout punch. Um, Yeah. Maul, on the other hand, who we connect with very quickly, is not under any such um, restrictions. Because he is still cleaving his path of destruction through the ship and makes his way to the, um, the, the hyperdrive core. Oh wow! Which he begins, what a display of power! Oh, I know. Yeah, he he takes out all the clones and then rips the hyperdrive to shreds with the force, uh, destroying it and forcing the ship to drop out of hyperspace uh, near a moon that catastrophically. Yes, and near the moon doesn't get a name. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? They do not say what planet or moon that they are near. No, it is a desert moon but at the same time it obviously sees snow yeah well so, we'll get to that we'll get to that but um but um yeah no it's a de- it's when we see it as it comes into view it's a desert moon and they yeah that's what they were we're coming in we're gonna crash land and that's when they're like we have to get off and that they open the hangars and you see all of the troops just kind of storm in. Led by uh, led by Jesse, who has yeah. uh, been a character off and on over the course of the Clone Wars series that we've spent time with. Um, but they have the droids on their side still, and the droids manipulate like the, the lifts that would bring, I assume, bring ships that are getting ready to take off or ships that have just landed in and out of the, the hangar. Um to kind of remove the the clones while they start searching for anything that may or may not be flyable. Um, and you get a great freaking fight scene at this point in time. Yes, yeah, so Ahsoka is still um, being the shield to, to Rex while Rex continues to stun as many of them as he can. But, I mean, they are hopelessly outgunned. And I mean, it's what, two, wow, yeah. two against what, 60 or 70, 80. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a lot. And, and then they just keep storming in. Yeah. And then and more and more keep coming as they find up out and that down with the lifts. Yeah. And, and they finally, they spot a shuttle that appears to be functional and they like, let's get to that ship and get out of here. Um, and then lo and behold, who shows up? Good old Darth Maul himself. Dude, 
of all the times for him, I mean, you know, he has to escape the ship. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that we knew he was getting away one way or the other, or that if if the ship crashed, he would survive it. Um, but, but this is a wrinkle that I didn't see coming, and I don't know if I really felt it was incredibly necessary. It was not necessary. The way they this is the weakest part of the episode is where Maul gets into the ship and is is literally flying it away. And Ahsoka reaches out through the force and halts the ship's progress. And it's like, why? A complete Ray moment. And who else did it? Uh, who else was the... Pulled a ship from the... Well, held a ship in the sky. Uh, well, Ray I mean, blows it up. In the Force Unleashed, uh, Starkiller pulled a Star Destroyer from space and crashed it into a planet. Um... That's fucking impressive. That's dark side though, right there, man. All these light side force users can barely hold on to ships. I I think actually Starkiller was light side at that point. Oh, uh, yeah. So never mind. I'm just gonna shut up. I dude, it's been a <laughs> long time since I've played through that game, but I think at that point he's light side. I think at that point he's been betrayed by uh, like okay. the Emperor discovered who he was, and Vader Vader almost killed him. Um, or Vader did kill yeah. or Vader stabbed him and thought he was dead or whatever. Um, you know, cause Palpatine's like, you're not allowed to have an apprentice. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> so she holds onto the ship. I mean, in that scene of her holding onto the ship lasted a decent amount of time. Yeah, it really did. She she held on to that fucker for a good deal. Obviously, her strength is... She has a lot of freaking strength in the Force because uh, beyond Rey holding the one shuttle and it exploding uh, from what she did... Force lightning. Right. Ahsoka manages to just, I mean, while she's not able to hold on to it, she holds on to it for freaking ever. And the only, there's no real damage to the ship other than when it it gets slingshotted. Um, Well, but yeah, but I mean, like, what was she trying to do? What was her goal? Like, did she think she was going to, I have no clue. But did you, I mean, if she had the ability to pull the ship down shut it off and force Maul out of it with with the force, she would have done that. But she didn't. She just held it in place. And, I mean, strained to hold it in place. And then wore herself out incredibly by the time. But not, like, to pass out. Not, like, as much as you've seen some force users, like Luke lifting the X-Wing for the first time. Like he's he's pretty fucking tired after that, dude, and trying and constantly trying. Meanwhile, Ahsoka obviously a whole lot more training than Luke had had at that point in time, but obviously she's her strength at that and the training that she's had at that point in time. She's she's got a lot of control. It's really it's defining. I feel of her abilities in the Force. I mean, possibly, but ultimately, Maul makes his escape. She lets it go uh, so she can continue to defend themselves from the clones. And they end up going below decks where they spot a Y-Wing. 
that appears to still be functioning. Uh, and Rex makes his way over to it while Ahsoka is holding the clones off. Uh, the clones discover the droids and how the droids have been operating the controls to make the lifts go up and down. And the order is given to destroy those meddlesome droids or whatever. And the droids get gunned down. Was this a moment for you that was like, I did it, did it feel like they were kind of trying to get you to have sour feelings for the clones a little bit almost feel sympathetic for the droids so that oh way yeah you no develop- no totally totally you're you're yeah i was like that seems a little unnecessary to just to blast the droids like you know i mean but we've we've kind of been programmed to have a soft spot for the droids in all of star wars you know i mean between 3po and r2 and then bb8 and then whatever that new one is that showed up in rise of skywalker that was kind of quirky and funny. Um, and uh, X9 or something like that. And then you have the one from Fallen Order. Yeah. And then you have, of course, my favorite Star Wars droid, HK-47. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. ruthless assassin droid of Revan who called everybody a meat bag. Um, <laughs> and was just so dark and so fucking funny. Um, meat bag. Meat bag, yeah. Um yeah, no, they definitely, I think they were definitely, like, showing the, trying to make you hate the clones at that moment, um, as if them trying to kill Ahsoka wasn't enough. Um, but Rex, well, Rex manages to get the, the Y-Wing fired up, but they're the, the, the cruiser is disintegrating at this point, um, as it's entering the, the orbit of the planet and it's starting to really come apart. And uh, this is a pretty cool scene that they pulled off because he gets the thing flying, but Ahsoka ends up falling. Yeah, she gets not necessarily blasted out of the ship, but kind of kind of that impression where she exits the ship without being in a ship and Rex is flying the Y-Wing. And then you know, multiple attempts of them trying to line up so she can get into the back seat of it. Um, but the scale, I like how they give the scale with the, as the ship falls apart, there's pieces where she's able to basically land on them. Yeah. And then yeah. run and then ride them and then sprint. And then, yeah, try to try to time it and jump and like free fall, uh, in the box position, like, to yeah, to get down. It was cool. It was a cool escape scene. Um, kind of shades of and the then, first episode where they were making the landing onto Mandalore. Um, yeah. Nice foreshadowing there. Yeah, where, you know, she was doing some cool leaps and jumps and aerial maneuvers. But she, she makes it to the Y-Wing and the cruiser crashes. And we are then joined onto the planet or the moon or whatever whatever it is and um we see the wreck of the ship we see the y-wing and rex is working on the y-wing but ahsoka is standing at a graveyard essentially and one one that she's they've gone through the ship and found as many clones as bought as many bodies as they could find and she saw to the burial 
and put their helmets as their their markers um and you see a lot of the helmets that were painted to match her her skin colorings on display there um ever markings yeah and a very uh, emotional moment very very touching moment and again speaking to her loyalty that she felt for the clones um that even even in the end they she still treated them with the ultimate act of the final act of dignity that you can treat any individual with is a proper burial um and then mourning at their graveside because she was definitely in mourning um yeah without a doubt it's clear and then and did you feel like she blamed um i don't feel like she just blamed sidious i i I felt like she was blaming like the jedi as well i feel like she was blaming herself herself because if she had if she had spoken up if she had if she had done things differently which I mean, you can say the same thing about any of the characters in the orbit of the final days of the Clone Wars in Anakin's fall. That if if the Jedi as a whole had done things differently, or if Ahsoka or Obi Wan individually had done things differently, things might have gone different. Um, but I think she blamed herself for the death of every single one of those clones, um, and in the final parting moment she leaves her lightsaber just drops it just and and walks away to to join rex at the y-wing and they uh leave the planet but that's not where we leave the series no but i that moment when she drops the lightsaber i feel like that's the moment she's mace windu's words you have to pick. Are you a civilian or are you a Jedi? And I feel it's at that moment in time, she sees a life, like she sees Jedi as just as much the cause of the the war and just as much the problem as the Sith are the problem. The entire thing is the problem, not just one side or the other. Well, and you know, Yoda came to the same conclusion in various sources that the that because the Jedi had spent the last thousand years preparing to fight the last war, they weren't ready for the one that they were currently in. Um and that the darkness had evolved and that Yoda blamed himself for not allowing the Jedi to evolve because he was their grandmaster for centuries. Um but yeah, so she um there's a theory that she left her lightsaber there intentionally knowing that the ship would be discovered and that they would assume that she was dead. Um, like she used, she used that opportunity to, to quote unquote fake her death as well to, to cover their tracks. I don't know if I buy that. That seems like a simplistic explanation for something that I think is supposed to have a little bit more meaning. Agreed, especially with how it actually ends with what you were what you were just about to get to. Yeah, so because we now that's see not where we left it. We now see the moon, planet, whatever, snow covered, and we see stormtroopers, not clone troopers, but we see legitimate stormtrooper armor. So we have to assume a little bit of time has passed, months, months at the very least, if not a year or two, have gone by. And 
we see a ship descending that any one of us who has watched Star Wars long enough should be very familiar with. Uh, the Imperial Shuttlecraft. And oh my God, what a moment. The this was sh- another one of those fucking moments, dude. The shuttle lands and Darth Vader steps out. Does you hear the breath first and you yeah. just you see the feet. Yeah. Well, I mean walking. they wouldn't I mean, they they literally wouldn't have to show a frame of him. The the breathing alone is right. obviously enough to suggest or tell us who it is. Um, but he, he, they, he, they landed at the wreck of the ship, um, and the clone graveyard and he strolls over to the clone graveyard. Um, I think he obviously knows who a lot of those clones were. They're the, the other half of the 501st that he left with Ahsoka. Um, cause he kind of lingers on Jesse's helmet a little bit in his, in his viewing, um, the, some of the graves have kind of, or at least the markers seem like they've kind of fallen apart a little bit. Like some mm-hmm. of the helmets are on the ground. So time has definitely passed. Um, but then looking down, he notices somewhat buried in the snow, Ahsoka's lightsaber, which he picks up and ignites and spends a few seconds staring and then the the series ends with a it's basically looking at the reflection in a clone's helmet right in the in the eyepiece of the helmet as he turns and walks away Mm -hmm. um and that's the series folks did you notice how agile he actually the the series captured him i he was his movements were more agile than i've seen vader moving before so it means he's definitely not i'm i feel while i it shouldn't matter obviously because he doesn't actually have legs but i definitely feel felt like a younger vader is what we were seeing well and and i but i also think that as time progressed um i think he had battles against legitimately worthy opponents who were maybe possibly able to injure him. Plus pretty sure the emperor's form of punishment for him was to fuck him up even more. So as, as time went on and I mean, I think eventually he probably got to the point where the emperor wasn't punishing him, but I think the emperor fucked him up a little bit more to where he, you know, was, was even more diminished than he was by his injuries with with Obi-Wan. Um, one thing that's important to note is that the lightsaber that's hanging from his belt is his red lightsaber, is um, the one he made by bleeding the crystal from the Jedi that he killed. Um, so, okay. I mean, that took a while for that to happen in the comic books. Um and that's what I thought I noticed. I saw. I thought I saw his his Vader va- saber. Yes, his Vader hilt First, was definitely uh, there. Yeah. Um, you know, and that battle alone to get that crystal was brutal. Um, that Jedi honestly would have killed him if it weren't for Vader using the threat of bursting a dam to kill a, a village full of innocents as enough of a distraction to uh, for him to win that fight. 
but yeah, Jeez. so I mean, we we you know we started the Clone Wars way back when with the the motion picture, um, you know, and obviously it started off with Anakin and Obi Wan, and Ahsoka was introduced shortly thereafter, and uh, and it ends with Darth Vader. You know, that's the the true conclusion of the Clone Wars is, you know, Anakin becoming fully Darth Vader. Uh, I like how they just kind of overlapped it with the the Revenge of the Sith movie. I, I They did it so perfectly. I just... I, this was another complete win for the Star Wars in the sense of the series. And mandalorian the clone wars the season episode the, the the television shows are definitely trumping easily the movies and i don't know everything pleasurable <laughs> they're 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 fun to watch they're they're accurate to what's important they are new stories that are interesting and fun and they don't have to be the same ones as they were they, these ones are told in in a in such a wonderful and redeeming way that i'm happily inspired and intrigued about what the new republic's gonna be or the high republic we're gonna see there the games all those things i definitely would probably say i'm less interested to see a movie right now especially if kennedy's name's attached to it if that happens i just i will i'll just keep sticking to the tv shows and stuff i see with favreau and uh, filoni and anybody else that comes along under their their banner because well i mean i just here's the thing i've been pleased with that stuff here's the thing with kennedy is her name will always be attached to pretty much everything as long as she is in control of lucasfilm she is considered an executive producer so her name will always appear in the credits now whether or not that means she has legitimate creative control is a whole nother matter but yeah if if you want to boycott a project because her name's attached you're going to end up boycotting more than you think no, I know that. That's not exactly what I mean. But you, but the Mandalorian, while her name is attached to it in a degree, she had no real control over the direction or where the show was going. That was given completely to Favreau. It's just, I don't know how much Filoni, how much control he had over, say, the Clone Wars itself. I but think he had quite a bit. I think he had quite a bit, exactly. And so that being said, if that's the case and she didn't have a whole lot of say, that's maybe what my my better statement is, it, it, that I don't really have a whole lot of faith in the movies that have her as an executive producer or in one of those power seats because... She may have a, an amazing potential, is what you were saying, as an assistant or as somebody who doesn't have as much power. But in the, her current role, she's just not. She's just not performing. No, I mean, cre- on the creative side, on the guiding aspect, she's definitely not hitting the mark. Um, 
which again isn't necessarily saying that she needs to be removed completely but that maybe they need to draw her back into something that's more within her skill set um even if that's just like you're the executive producer like mind the money watch the budget keep us on track that way you know i mean there's nothing wrong with that that's a very very important thing in in any movie or television production is minding the minding the dollars and the cents um, but the creative powers but I the don't creative know. the just... creative side she, she in my opinion right now she has no place on or shouldn't have a place on the creative side and i think i think that's a conclusion she will eventually get to herself because maybe she it tries to ignore the internet and what the fans are saying but at some point somebody above her has to be like do you see the reaction from the fans to this which you're not involved with creatively and this to which you are involved with creatively I mean, it's that, and it comes back to what uh, Bryce Dallas Howard said, and that it's about the fans' relationship, and she's—I don't feel like that's that's the details and the attention that she's paying. I feel like she's looking off in another direction. Like there's a story that they had worked out that they wanted to tell, and that's that's what the guns she's sticking to without understanding that stories sometimes change stories evolve stories develop and you can't just stick to a story in its old way all the time if you can look at it in a new way you might have a better story and that's that's not bad that's that just makes a good story better you know, I feel you. I feel anyway. you, bro. I feel you. Um, so anyway, uh, wonderful way to wrap up the Clone Wars. Um, you Loved know, I, yeah, I don't I don't think they could have done uh, any better. I would have liked to have seen more. Uh, but what we got is what we got. Um You know, but now there is a part of me, you know, like we never saw the Bad Batch again. We never saw the Marquez sisters again. So it's like, what was the point? Test, test market for the Bad Batch. Potentially uh, you could do a lot with the A team of Star Wars. You sure could. Uh, You sure could. Or are they... Darth Vader's personal death squad. There's there's a lot you can do with their story. Uh, all I can think is that we'll see them play out at some, or we'll hear more about them in the future. I, f- I feel like that they were a test, and I I I think a success. Oh yeah, no, they were wildly accepted. They were very well accepted. The Marquez sisters were not. Uh, the feedback I've been reading on the internet for the Marquez sisters has been terrible and that those episodes there were pointless really point. Those episodes were pointless and a giant waste of time. Um, and just, and just filler in the worst possible way. So, um, they didn't really progress the story in any meaningful way. I mean, the best you can say is Ahsoka finally came around to the fact that 
she needed to be a Jedi. And in the end of the show, she fucking walks away from being a Jedi again. Yeah, so it's like, whatever. It's I just mean. a roller coaster that was like, yeah, yeah, blah. But the Bad Batch, yeah, that was a great, that was a great story. But again, they went on, they rec- rescued, wrecked, rescued uh, Echo, and he goes running off with the Bad Batch. But that's that's it. Of his story, you don't hear any more. They spent the entire first four episodes rescuing him and identifying him and pulling him from past episodes. He got more time than Jesse did, and you don't get any conclusion to how Echo ends up. And more time than Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, more time. I think more time than Maul. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, largely the last season was very well received with just a few knocks here and there. Um, Epic conclusion to an epic series. Here's hoping that they find a way to continue some of these characters stories uh, in the future. Because what we didn't get on May the 4th, which I thought we would, was I, I for sure thought we would get an announcement or two about another animated series. But we didn't. We didn't get any so, of that. No. But, I mean, what we did get, obviously, was incredible, which, you know, we spent a great deal of time covering on this episode. Um, but, I obviously, there's more stories to tell with these characters, and I think we'll be getting more of that in the future. Um, I'm excited for I'm excited for it, especially depending on who's at the helm. Well, yeah. Well, folks, we are... Two hours and 40 some odd minutes into this. We told you it was going to be a long one, and I, I hope you've made it this far with us. Um, we will, of course, be back next week with uh, news and discussion. We'll talk, obviously, about the uh, the gallery episode season, uh, or season, gallery episode three uh, about The Mandalorian. And uh, probably end up launching into character profiles or other uh, or other discussions of other fun topics uh, starting again next week. Uh, you got anything else for us over there, guy? No, I just I can't say thank you enough. If uh, you know you've stuck it out this this far this long, it has been a wonderful season of the Clone Wars. Uh, great way to finish up and. Uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed the show and we'll hit you guys next week. Uh, as we wrap now that we've wrapped up the clone wars. Yeah. We'll get to some, some other fun stuff. So I can't wait. I'm excited. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, so this has been, uh, the broom boys. I'm buddy. I'm guy. And we have spoken. <laughs>